Hi, I'm Justin King, and welcome to the Blue Chip Academy. As a five-star recruit, all-Big Ten corner, NFL vet, and Power 5 recruiting coordinator, I understand the emotions that go along with the recruiting process. The Blue Chip Academy is here to provide education, critical insights, and mentorship through the recruiting process for families and athletes alike. When athletes and their families have proper education and guidance, they're able to make better decisions and set themselves up for long-term success. Blue Chip Academy provides the resources and information that empowers athletes to create their own blue chip blueprint and take ownership of their careers. Blue Chip Academy exists because when athletes and their families are armed with the right information, they're able to make the decisions for themselves that positively impact their future. Again, I'll be your host, Justin King, and welcome to Blue Chip Academy. Welcome back to the Blue Chip Academy podcast, Blueprints of Success interview series, providing unique blueprints, tactical knowledge, best practices to navigate the critical points in the elite sports ecosystem so athletes and parents can prepare a plan to a career path that any athlete can bank on. So we always talk about uh, everything in the current sports ecosystem and how it's going. So our next guest comes in as a professor at Boston College, former Penn State football player, and actually lawyer and uh Recruit lawyer, what would you say? Lawyer, lawyer, consultant, lawyer, consultant, uh, recruiter as recruiter well. Recruiter and all the good stuff, man. Just another. Keep it coming in. Uh, you know what it is. Another expert in the field, and we're just going to dive into a lot of things in his background and just how it kind of came to the point that he's at now. And uh, jumping into it with Chima Akoli. What's going on, bro? Feeling good. Uh, happy to be here. You know, first and foremost, um, gotta say prayers to Bonnie Baju and his family. That's our brother right there. Um, and, you know, we're going to get into it during this interview. I think this is going to be your best episode personally because uh, we're going to be 100% from the hip and we're going to be authentic. We're going to talk recruiting. We're going to talk name, image, likeness. We're going to talk the current college uh, athletic climate. You know, we might not have an NCAA in a couple of years. We're going to get into it. But uh, off the top, man, um, that's our brother. And uh, prayers and love to Bonnie Baju. We want to shout him out. And uh, happy to be here, man. Definitely happy to come on. I appreciate that, and thank you for saying that. Like, and I'll second that, man. Just prayers up to Bonnie Bodge. You had a little medical issue, and we, uh, well, I mean, we're not going to disclose everything that he's going through. But uh, the Penn State family and everyone that's listening, you know, send your prayers out for Bonnie. Great, great guy, great teammate, great friend. Another part of the guy. His wife know, as well. She's a Penn Stater, so you know, want, want to lift her up as well in, in our prayers. You know, good woman, I, good family, good folks. Absolutely, we gotta stick together on this type of stuff, man. No, I appreciate that. Now we're jumping into it, bros. Man, you've seen this whole football, well, football sports ecosystem, man. Now you're a professor at Boston College, played football at a high level, and you've seen it. I mean, you've seen You're one of the few people that have seen it, the different critical points from different perspectives, right? So looking back at everything from your, your past, what would you give 16-year-old self that one piece of advice to go through the process or going through just mm-hmm. the whole sports ecosystem? I would say there's there's very few things that I could boil down to one. Um, sure. I, would, I would let them know that uh, I, I always say set the table so everybody can eat. In other words, if you play corner, then you need to understand um, what a university might want, what would a university need, and how can I provide that. Um, that means if you're not the fastest, you know, maybe, you know, you use your hands a lot. Uh, J. King, you, you know, you the DB, you understand there's different types of DBs, right? Understand that not everybody is going to go play D1. Um, Justin and I were fortunate enough, you know, he was nicer than me, played in the league much longer, but that's the thing about it, right? Understand your level. If the coaches aren't coming to you, are you going to work to get out to the coaches? 
that's a thing as well. I know, um, and Justin will probably tell you, sending out tapes, a lot of tape. You know, everybody didn't have the letters coming through the door. So your experience is not going to be, you know, this show All-American. I watch it, and it's based on a true story, right? But you can't simulate certain things uh, in the football recruiting process. You just can't. So no matter, Or in the football playing, uh, the process of playing the game. So um, understand the game, do your homework, make yourself marketable. When I was 16, at that time, the things that are valuable and important aren't the same now. Now, everybody is on social media, and at the end of the day, if you're a coach and you're coming down to it and you're evaluating someone on social media, how they carry themselves and their conduct, that might be the factor. Because if you're going to set the table so everybody can eat, the university gets a good athlete, they have a good ambassador, right? They don't get a headache, and they have a good student and a good athlete, ideally. So you want to present all of those type of things. Uh, that would probably, that and a bunch of other things, but uh, that would probably be where we would start with a 16-year-old me. No, that's amazing, man. Just in terms of that, because like, that's just a, lot, a whole new uh, time frame where guys are dropping their tape on Huddle, getting out there, posting it on uh, social media. And it's funny that you say that about even like marketing yourself, right? Because there's that of getting attention and then there's evaluating schools, right? How do you get it once you get all the information? I've, and I've recently said, and guys, don't don't put your stuff out there because just a little inside trick. A lot of times, just this ch check the temperature. The information is coming from the prospect, from the recruiting standpoint, right? So if they're sending, hey, Ohio State's recruit me this way, Michigan recruit me this way, every, it's a copycat league. And if you really kind of uh, pull back the information, you can really see some authentic stuff from staffs and how they're actually recruiting you because it's going to be based on how we want you, not really what you're posting and right. different things of that nature. So it's real. It's a cool thing that you said, even being marketable because. I mean, it's the full, full gambit, everything that you said, like understanding your strengths, understanding like what ecosystem you're going into and just making it work, to be completely honest. Because, I mean, we talk about this being the entry point to the sports business ecosystem and like you really can get the opportunity and not be in the right situation where it can kind of falter. So like that's, I mean. Most definitely. It's, it's your opportunity. It's your situation. And so many of things in life are unplanned. So... I always say put yourself in the middle of a lot of good situations and opportunities will start to fall your way because you're going to have a plan and depending on what you believe, you know, I knew God had a plan for me and I'm still trying to discover it, right? So I can't honestly say how anyone's journey is going to unfold, but be ready for good things to happen your way. You know, um, Freddie Gibbs said, I can't hold any grudges. My hand's too busy catching blessings. You know, Ooh, drop that's, it. You know that's, yeah, that wasn't yeah, me. That was, that, that was Gibbs right there, man. <laughs> hey, let's go. <laughs> No, Straight that's up. tight, man. No, for sure. I mean, even like a little fast track back, I mean, fast from the past. How was your recruiting process? Man, so, you know, being being Nigerian-American, I actually spent, you know, my 10th grade year um, in Nigeria. So I come back from Nigeria, 11th grade year, and I had played a little bit of football. And all my brothers had played before me. I'm the youngest of five. So it was, it was interesting. I had played a little bit in uh, ninth grade, not really – not really care too much about it because you know it was whatever and I was playing soccer you know me I'm a big Liverpool fan you know what I'm saying that's that's that that's what I cared about and one day um, I had gotten back and they said hey man you had a bunch of like you know you had a bunch of like letters from schools and I was like really I didn't I didn't think that was a possibility for somebody who didn't really play the game I'm like all right well let me check them out and the first time I'm like oh my UVA you know Tech, like that was a big deal at right. the time and I'm like, all right, well, now we got to make it into something, you know, and um, got a shout out Virginia Beach, Virginia, 757, you know, um, Salem High School. You know what I mean? We we we, we put them out there. You know, Alan Iverson, Mike <laughs> Vick, 
You know, that's us right there. You know what I mean? Um, and I felt like I was now part of that. I felt a little bit of that, like, wow, like, so it can happen here, it can happen here to me. Okay. okay. And as I'm walking through the, uh, the cafeteria, man, and I was a couple of days back, one day, uh, Coach Pugh, shout out to Coach Pugh, my defensive line coach in high school, was like, hey, man, after school, 5 o'clock, feel. I don't even want to hear nothing else. Do you feel me, J. King? So I'm walking with my tray, and the coach was like, hey, man, after school, man, 5 o'clock. No, nah, man, I don't even want to hear nothing else. That was the conversation. And he was almost disgusted that I wasn't out there. Do you understand me? He was almost like, what? Are you, you walking around? You about to go eat a chicken patty? Hey. I should, I should slap it out of your hand right now is how he looked at me. That's real because, man, you see, like, there's just not many – big people in the world, right? When you talk about big and athletic, like just the nimble and things of that nature, everyone's like, oh, it's easy to recruit. I'm always saying like, no, just collect size and different things of that nature. It's just not that many guys that are big and can move. So the fact that you're playing soccer, that you were playing soccer and that you were a big guy, I remember my dad was building up the stuff at Gateway, right? You looking mm-hmm. for big guys. Hey, we'll make them, we'll make them, uh, we'll make them a player, get here, you know, see the big guy in the, uh, in the band. Like, Man, right, right. <laughs> Got to convert them, but you, but then you have to get taught how to play football. So I'm literally out there and it's like, you know, um, now in today's meme Twitter culture, they talk about black Air Force Ones and I was like, that was a staple shoe. All right. <laughs> you understand me? Jay King understands. Before you demonize that, that was a staple shoe. White pair, we call them DCs in New York, they call them uptowns. Like, don't do that, right? But anyways, I, I bring that up because my first football practice, that's what I'm wearing. Oh, top okay, black Air Force. Black. J. King, let me, let me, first of all, to everybody listening, this is exclusive content. <laughs> the black and I'm not kidding. is the first one. <laughs> this is not something that you would share. So you believe me when I tell you that this is, this is, this was locked deep in the chamber of secrets. But uh, yeah, man, so I'm in there with black Air Force Ones trying to get in a three-point stance trying to understand what is going on and it's so funny i'm sitting here like man you know what running back would probably be fun man that looks like a cool thing to do needless to say that never happened but my point is that was my understanding (laughs) of football right i could not be a running back on anyone's football team except yeah no it couldn't happen you understand but i i really was like that 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 looks fun and the running backs be getting off and they be trucking people i was like i like that that's what i want to do so you know, as the so how finally, real quick you know, how how big were you like when you like when you were like in tenth grade? Do you remember like um, your probably size? like six three? You know what I'm saying six okay. three six four two seventy five. You know what I'm saying? Oh so, you, yeah, you were big. Yeah, you were big. All my brothers big. are big. All my brothers are between six three six six. So all of us are um, this big. I'm the most handsome, but <laughs> all of them are around um, are around that size. So trying to all right, we got to put on the helmet, you feel me? And it was like getting equipment was important because I finally made it through conditioning, which was just hell. I was like, man, this is not fun. So you finally, you know. But weren't you conditioned from was, soccer? Soccer didn't have you? Yeah, but, yeah, but football conditioning is different. Okay. Like but I wasn't. Just, just real wasn't, quick, not to interrupt, but ahead. like just so under, understanding what we're talking about, we just start framing players. But yeah, Chima Sandy, 6'3", 6'4", 275. And he was playing soccer. So you just talk about the level of athlete and the size package that it came in, like that size, the athleticism ratio for linemen coming out and different things um, in those categories. I mean, just make sure you get the overall athleticism together because that's the key. But Package it up. Yeah, de- no, nah, definitely, man. And, and long story short, as I got more into the game, you know, you start to get attention from smaller schools, local schools, obviously, Norfolk State, Hampton. 
Um, and uh, it was uh, Percy Harvin's coach, Chris Beatty, because Percy was from around the way here too. Um, Chris Beatty is like, uh, I'm in Hampton. He later went to West Virginia. I think he's in the league now. He's, um, okay. He was like, yeah, you know, um, I want you to come to Hampton. Da, da, da. Three weeks later, he's gone. And I'm like, man, this is how the recruiting game goes? <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I really thought that this man was going to be here and see it out. You know, he filled me with the – you know, with a little bit of spirit, but see, those type of things, they sharpen you up and they make you more wise. They make you more understanding to, you see yourself six months ago where none of these people knew, that's who you really are, right? This new person, six months, all these new people know, and I'll tell you, and I'll tell you why I say that. So I was getting a little bit of attention junior year, you know, had a decent season, starting to put stuff together, and um, going into my senior year, and I'm like, okay, cool. I had gotten, like, smaller offers, uh, Akron, um, little schools like that. And I don't mean to offend Akron, but just talking about in the grand scheme of things. You were a junior when you got and, your first offer? Yeah. Okay. At the, at, at, ju- yeah, junior junior year, I started getting first offers. Akron, Kent State, that type of thing. Um, 1AA, Hampton, you know, 1AA schools. Okay. And we were playing, we were in Hampton playing Tyrod Taylor and the Crabbers, you know what I mean, in a scrimmage. I'm gonna keep name dropping to you. I'm about to say, I, I see you gonna put on. You always be. You always put on for seven five seven. Listen, listen, listen. Let me tell you something. Because guess guess what happened when I first got into Penn State locker room? All I heard was Whippio. I said, "What is that, man?" They were like, "Yeah, you don't know about it, Western PA." Hey, if I'm lying, I'm flying a thousand feet into the air. No, that's Shout a out fact. Steph Wisniewski, Greenberg Central Catholic. Okay, Nick Suke. Uh, 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 he went to. Central Catholic, or he went to Gateway. He went to no, he went to Greensboro, and then as uh, uh, Wiz went to Pittsburgh Central Catholic. Pittsburgh Central Catholic. So that's what I'm trying to say is that's all you know what I mean. You you heard about Alaquipa, how they got down out there. You heard things. So you know, football's a territorial regional game, man. But anyways, I'm playing against uh, playing a scrimmage, and man, I'm just I'm just not playing well. You know, um, maybe I was listening to a lot of recruiting talk, and it's not as if I had gotten a big head. I just wasn't focused on my task. Okay. I just was not. I was playing defensive end, and I'm Tyrod's. You know, he's 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 shifty. You know what I mean? So it's like, look, here's your assignment: stop trying to get a sack or trying to blow something up. You still got a job to do. And uh, Coach Jackson, Coach Robert Jackson, man, who was a very very important man in my life, like the whole ESPN. Oh, he grew up without a father and no shoes. You know, they love that story about a young black kid, but had a dad. You know, and but Coach Jackson served as just somebody who was integral to my success. So he pulls me off third quarter. You know, scrimmage, you're only going to play two quarters anyway. The starters ain't going to play the whole game. And uh, he pulled me to the side, and I knew I had a bad game. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like I knew I had a bad game. And he pulls me over. He says, hey, man, uh, hey, some coaches, I mean, some teams want to come in here and, and, and check you out, man. And I'm like, okay. Um, who? I ask real sheepishly because I wasn't playing well. And he goes, the Parkview Giants. And that's like a under 18, like a seven, eight-year-old. You, you understand what I'm saying? Not even Pop Warner, like midgets. You understand? It's yeah, like, bars. Like, that's, who coming to, that's who coming to check you out tomorrow. They coming. How you playing? And I like I'm this like, coach. Wow. I like this coach. And I'm like, wow. I got to get it together. You know what You understand what I'm saying? So long story short, um, that next week it was us versus a school called Kempsville. Uh, DJ Dozier actually went there. More history. Um, and we're playing them, man, and it's packed because we, you know, we're coming to get it. And they had some players um, 
transfer over there from our school. You know how that goes. So the it's hot and um, great game. You know, sack, fumble, um, just ball out. You get what I mean? And um, you remember the crowning achievement on all of your pain. You know what I'm saying? Like that's real. You remember that? And you're like, wow. This is this is this is what it's going to be. And for the first time, I understood the the sacrifice and the camaraderie. And you know, I'm. I'm a, I'm a cynic when it comes to maybe the administration of football and the NCAA. I'm a cynic, right, because I believe that that should have changed a long time ago, man. But right. the bonds that football forms, it's like it's like not, nothing else. And, you know, and then and then um, I kind of jumped out into the deep. And uh, here we are today. No, that's a, that's a great story in terms of that. That was your junior year when you felt like the lights came on. It was like, all right, I can start taking stuff over and doing what I need to do. Yeah, because then it's serious. Then you're like, all right, well, there's tangible benefits to this. I, I, w- I wasn't a natural football player. I was never a natural football player. Right. I had to make myself into a football player. You know what I mean? And you started late. You're talking about in high school, right? Like, that's what I'm guy. saying. Yeah. Like, I didn't really play football to junior year, so it's like, man, figure it out. You know? Huh. And that's part of it. And I thank God because more than anything, football has opened doors and put me in situations. It's like, you know, I'm 19, and, you know, you was the Rose Bowl trip. You know, there go you know, there go Will Ferrell, there go Snoop Dogg. You know what I'm saying? There's there's Ray Malaluga and Taylor Mays and, and you know, we should have beat Mark Sanchez and then we made them look way better, you know what I'm saying? But uh, that's 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 a that's a different story. But it just put me in rooms, man. That ro- that Rosebud thing, I was off the not off the team, but I went to the NFL, but I came back to kick it with y'all. That's what I came yep. out to LA, so I was <laughs> Poking around, was, that was that was a good trip. That was fun. It was a good trip, man. Uh, Jamie Foxx was in the hotel. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, uh, Ziggy, uh, Bob Marley's son who played in Miami. I think it's Rohan. Like you know, listen, I'm Penn State from seven to twelve. You know, real deal. It real was. deal, man. Try to let people know about that, man. Like even from that standpoint, when did the big schools start coming in? You kept, you kept okay. saying like the smaller schools were there, and it's like right. oh, it's opportunity. Right. So, so you even saw the opportunity just to go to college there, but it wasn't big guys. For sure, man. Like I said, um, growing up in a Nigerian household, education is paramount. You know what I mean? It's like you're going to, it's like doctor, lawyer, disgrace to the family. You know, those are your (laughs) options. I'm kidding. But um, I'm not. Um, (laughs) Junior year, start to get attention from the local schools. All of a sudden, Virginia Tech, and listen, you know, that's that's where we go, you know. Um, That's from people from my 7-5, you know, back when Virginia Tech was doing what it was supposed to do on the, on the scene, you know, and I'm biased, obviously, but that's where we went, man. And Tech started to show me some love and UVA and Maryland. And then all of a sudden, junior year, you know, end of it, I'm getting mail from Notre Dame and, like, uh, Clemson and stuff from UGA. And I'm like, this is incredible. I never thought that any of this would happen, any of this was possible for, for, with football for me, right? I know other people did it. Really? But no, that's yeah. a that's a. I mean, that's a very interesting perspective. I'm always like enamored when people, you know, get what they want out of out of football, right? Where it's kind of a surprise because then you have the you're, there's prospects that go through the pro, through there's prospects that go through the process with ang- like being anxious, right? Just like oh, I need this offer, I need this, I need to get to this point. But the way that you were incubated, whether it was being in Nigeria in tenth grade playing soccer, just not really um, fully. I was invested. playing with house money, Justin. I was playing, playing with, with house, house money, money, but the perspective that comes when you're playing with house money is kind of what we're getting to because that's a competitive advantage that I tell guys all the time is like having that level of leverage outside of the sport to where you can operate in the sport with like pure joy. Like the fact that you say like, oh man, this is so great. I, I mean, I get these offers. 
I can't believe this is happening. Like you approach the situation a lot different versus like all time they offer. Like it's late into the process. You're so right like about that. you know You're what so I mean? Right but then you don't that. really see the opportunities and different things. And man, as I went through the process in college, I seen players when they were worried about different things off the field where it's like it's just a level of distraction. It gets to the NFL even more so because guys are getting to the point where they're fulfilling their dreams and there's just more stress. There's more pressure on the situation. I mean, you're getting cut every week, physical game. But the players that you saw either had, like, whether it was, I mean, obviously the big, the big paychecks, um, passion outside of sports, or just really just love the game to an extent where I think might be a little unhealthy. Those were the most successful people, right? Like, sure. But that leverage having stuff outside and being able to play that game with that, like that joyous energy and feeling like you're playing with house money, that's like that's what can be created, I, I believe, starting in high school if the things are placed in the right um, buckets as they're going through the process. Totally, but. Justin. And I miss that. I miss – but trust me, football became a job. That joyous – that joy and that childlike adoration just for life, trust me, it was stripped from me, right? Don't <laughs> – you know what I mean? It didn't stay like that, and that's why high school football is so special because, well, Justin went to a super high school, right? But my high school are people from my neighborhood, right, that I grew up with. You understand? Well, you know, we didn't have uh, um, custom jerseys that were all tight. You know them tight jerseys Gateway had? We couldn't afford those except my junior, senior year in the alter field. I remember I saw them. I was like, what college plays here? They were like, oh, Gateway University. I said, wow, okay, ah. Pittsburgh campus. That's funny, man. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was Bill. We did. We got there. It was mud, man. Got to shout out to Ter- uh, my pops, Terry Smith, man. He, he, him Big and, shout out to Coach yeah, Smith, man. Yeah, the legend. Built sure. that spot, man. Him and Mr. Short. He's the superintendent. See, I, didn't know, I, right I, I didn't know too much about that. That's yeah. the story you got to tell people. That's the, I can't I mean, Hey, he was the he was the head coach. We got there, man. It was it was nothing. It was it was dirt. We played mud. Had yellow and black jerseys, and like from the whole branding of everything, I can talk about just the impact of a high school head coach. You know, you're talking about the guys down in Virginia. I always talk about you know my dad at, at Gateway. I was able to see the program be be built from literally nothing. So when I say nothing, I'm my freshman year might have won one game. I broke my ankle the third game of the season. Made some splash plays the first couple of games. So I was like, oh, it was this freshman, but I broke my ankle. He lost me. They went two and nine, which, I mean, it was a laughing stock when I got there. I came from a powerhouse, which was Willow Hills in the area. You know what Willie I mean? So I transitioned, okay. I, trans, I transitioned over to Gateway when they're bad. And the way that my dad and the administration over there kind of put the thing together, it just like the whole scope, whether it was the marketing of the program, getting Nike deals, capital projects. When you talk about a, like a $4 million uh, press box and, now there's a they got a jumbotron there, the artificial turf, new track, and just understanding what it what it took to kind of support a, a powerful football program. Because I mean, it was nothing. I mean, so like to even I like thought to it hear, was always like that. But to hear you say nah, but to hear you say that about Gateway, it's like man, it, it kind of gets chills a little bit. Because I remember when I first got there and like the vision and people were saying like, man, what are y'all doing? Like this is. And now it's like oh, a powerhouse. So that's that's kind of. I cool. didn't know that, man. That's actually. I just thought y'all always had the bag. You know, it looked like no, it looks like it. No, that's just no. what I thought. I was. That's why I'm like gateway. They like they've been like this thirty years. It makes sense. They had the money. They didn't want to spend it on sports. So like I mean, it's a, you know what I mean. There's was, was a level of where you, asset allocation, right? Where my pops understood where it's like using sports as a vehicle, and then he gets there and spends sends seventy plus kids to college. So. And once again, shout yeah. out Coach Smith, man. Yeah, shout Love out. That. You know it, but. Yeah, dog, go go for it. 
You, do y'all hear that Pittsburgh history? Listen, I'm I'm a, I'm, a, I'm what you call a traveled man. That's I'm spit. I'm not from Pittsburgh, you know, but I'm I'm good out there, man. You know, know that's that. real. That's real. I mean, there's a, lot, there's a lot of rich history when it comes to the high school football here, right? And I mean, I, I always have respect for the Virginia Beach. We always call them Beach Boys, right? Like when guys don't really come out of there to go to Penn State. I mean, they do go to Penn State, but like you said, Virginia Tech gets a lot of those guys. Um, did you take all your visits before? I didn't visit Clemson, and I always regretted it. Just because it's like, why not? Um, by that time, I, I had talked to Coach Jay, and you know, if you talk to Coach Jay enough times, you might commit to, you know, go be in the Marine Corps if, if he talks to you enough times. So yeah, the government um, definitely needs to hire Coach Jay. He'll get it. What? Are you what? kidding me? He might, he might, he might convince you to do anything. It's kind of dangerous. Now nah, he's a great man. Shout out to Coach uh, Larry Johnson, senior. Um, but yeah, man, um, I didn't go on all my visits, but. That was back when the universities could fly you out. You understand the real visits yeah. before they got all these regulations, you know. And um, hmm, how much do I want to say, man? I, I did go on all my visits. Um, I was offered different things on my visits. Some of them um, part of the code. Some of them that were not. Okay. So you quickly get, you quickly understand that man, football operates, especially in football, right? That it operates in its own sphere to a certain degree. It kind of does its, th- its own thing independent of uh, regulation at times, and everybody's just kind of okay with it. That's a fact. And I would say that the more sophisticated uh, talent acquisition in all you know, sport is basketball. I mean, when you get the, get these, the, the shoe companies touching the AAU, getting them to the school, then it's it, – yeah, I mean, I get it how you live, right? But Right. I mean, yeah, cause I used to evaluate players, and I was, you know, I didn't pay anybody. That this isn't, but I would put a thing like, "Oh, he's he's worth getting paid. For. He deserves money." <laughs> but you'd be surprised how many people would fall into that category. Not too many, but uh, right. <laughs> no, that's I mean, that's one hundred percent. So when you're looking at these different schools, I mean, the opportunity comes up. Do you have an idea what you wanted to study? Did you have a kind of a a plan, or was it just kind of going along along the rat? Most definitely. Um I, I thought I wanted to do communications, broadcast, journalism, possibly work in sports at a okay. time. Um, but I realized that they don't make enough money when they get out. And, of course, my, my dad is a, has a doctorate, Ph.D., you know what I mean, from, from you know, went to school at Howard and a bunch of other places, real serious gentleman. He was like, communications, one thing about being first generation is your parents have to be honest with you. And be like, hey, dad, I want to go study art history. He's like, well, Why? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, do you do you want to make enough money to feed yourself, let alone a family? Because that's the decision you have to make. You know, it's not if you go into D.C., you go into Maryland, you go into the pharmacist. Somebody Nigerian is going to be working in there. Right. You know what I mean? You go to your college professor. Everybody has a Nigerian professor. now. You know what I mean? It's like they understand what roles make money and what roles you'll be able to provide for yourself and your family with. And they often require massive amounts of education, but that's just what it is. So every single visit that I took, I had that on my mind, right? Okay. I knew that their academic facilities were important and their emphasis on academics was important. And Jake, let me tell you another thing. I'd go to schools and academics was very much an afterthought. It was something that, oh, yeah, yeah, by the way, this is study hall and uh, you're here three times a week and uh, you go here and they do this. It was an afterthought. It was kind of just something that they rolled into it. Um, but, you know, kudos to Penn State. I met with the dean of the college I thought I wanted to, to be in. You know, um, I text TK this morning and, you know, shout out to Todd Coca. You know, look, look how many first-time name drops you're getting here. Man. This, is, this is free content. <laughs> I think you might, you might be up about 12. You might be up to about 12 yeah, right this now. this is for the audience, man. But um, he made sure that 
you knew you were going to be in study hall every day. And he made sure that the academics were something that you knew you were coming here for just as much as football. And that was a real rarity. So that appealed to me because most schools were interested in, your, in you as an athlete. And this is kind of a tip for young um, men and women out there who are athletes. The schools are interested in you as an athlete. It's up, it's up to you to add on the rest of your values, your academic value, your extracurriculars you're involved in, your leadership, your personality. Because remember, like I said, five months before I started getting offers, I was the same person. I didn't magically become so great. You get what I mean? Absolutely. So understand that sports is a vehicle. And that's how I saw it. Every visit that I went on, um, sports was a, was a means to an end that I knew that I could get an education. Not a, People say a free education. It's not free. You understand? It's not free. You do pay but, for um, it. But I knew I could be elevated to a higher platform. So I'm, I'm extremely grateful uh, for that. Oh, that's amazing, man. So what made you decide to land on Penn State? They put the most emphasis on academics and athletics at the same time without making one feel like it was massively shortchanged to another, right? Um, you know, you go, to, you go to, if Harvard recruits you, yeah, you're going to come for football, but you know, you know what it is, right? Yeah. You know, I'm coming to get it's the like, paper. hey, we have a, our 9,000 person stadium. It gets crazy. You know what I mean? Right. right, right. <laughs> that's shade. That's, no, that's but shade. It, I mean, but that paper is pretty, paper is powerful. Like that, that's but, but they say this, when you graduate, here's your $200,000 job. Right. So there and I'm telling you again, like that's the trade-off you make, man. But Penn State people that people ask me that, and I tell them what other people said about Penn State made me choose Penn State. Huh. I remember graduating, and my one of my good friends, his uncle was like, I, I, either he, I don't even think he went to Penn State, Jay King. He probably knew somebody or his uncle, his brother, and he talked to me for like 15 minutes. I'll never forget it. He said. Up there, he's from Boston, so I'm trying to do a Boston accent. He's like, the mountains is beautiful. All the snow, you're going to love it. You're going to have the time of your life up there, son. And I'm like, all right, cool, thanks. You know, that's what everybody says about everything. Right. But I'll never forget it because he, I'm like, why is this person who, who doesn't really know me? We're not, you know, I'm, you know me because at that point I was getting known. It was graduation night and my best friend is your nephew. Okay. But you don't really know me that well. Why is this person pulling me aside? to tell me with such like, it's like, look, you need to know this. What about this place instills this much passion and this much uh, mystique? I gotta know. And that wasn't the only time that I got that. So I had to see what it was about, the beautiful jerseys, man, Coach Johnson, Coach Kenny, you know, it was, um, it was the right choice for a lot of different reasons. And to put a bow on it, it's extremely difficult as a 16, 17, 18 year old young person to choose the university that you're going to go to that's going to impact the rest of your life. When, you, when, when you're watching and that, that, that young man has all those hats in front of him, I mean, how different would your life be if you go to Texas instead of Michigan? You're going to meet different people. You're going to get different, forget sports for a second, your life, your everyday life, your network. I wear my Penn State stuff to an airport. They dang near let me fly the plane. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> I wore my Penn State stuff on a hike in uh, South Africa, hiked Lionhead, and people were walking like, we are. And I was like, in it's South crazy. Africa. You know what I mean? I'm like, we oh. are in South Africa, but in South Africa, I'm, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty strong. You know what I mean? But that, that is a very interesting thing. It's, people say how they get attached to Penn State because everyone has that emotional 
um, connection there because I know I remember my first time going up. I mean, I was engulfed by the football stuff. So I went up and ride right. 2001. You were also a much highly, by the way, everyone, Jay King was much more highly recruited than I was. <laughs> so, like, his experience is a bit different than mine. But go ahead, dog. I want to But I wasn't that. a recruit yet, though. So this was the cool part. I wasn't a recruit yet. So I was in, like, 7th okay. or 8th grade, and my dad took me up there to watch uh, probably one of the best college teams ever, which was that 2001 Miami team. Mm. And they came wow. up to Penn State, bro. And, uh, mm. I mean, and he got killed. I mean, obviously, I was, I was like, oh, Clinton Portis, Najee uh, Devonport. Uh, who's this backup? The third string, Melissa McGahey. It was like wow. out of this world. But in that the environment at Penn State, um, it was that was like my entry to college football atmosphere. So everywhere I went after that, that was kind of how I see, you know, how I identified what big town football was. Because then I would go to Pitt or go check something out. And I'm like, oh, I was like. 20,000 people here. They they don't take it that serious. They don't feel the same. It's not, I mean, it's not. And then you start going to other places, right? Ohio State, Michigan, you'll have the the blue bloods around. Go down, I went down to Florida, and I was like, okay, these are the big things. But then you start pulling the strings and the different things that, that, uh, kind of what you said, your everyday life, right? Like, it's cool visiting Gainesville, but I'm like, man, how would I come out of there (laughs) as a 17 year old at those formative years? being in Gainesville versus State College, because you talk about the power cities that are connected to ecosystems in college. That's what I try to get guys to understand, because, I mean, Penn State, you say it's like in the middle of nowhere, but it's like the power cities that are around it are extremely strong. So I come out, you talk about New York City, Philadelphia, uh, Washington, D.C., Pittsburgh, and all those different things right there where a lot of our alumni are stationed. And it's very impactful. We talk about the highest paying dudes, alumni, not a to just go on this thing about Penn State, but just those things that kind of... Facts are facts. Facts are facts, right? But the way, the criteria that you come up with to make that decision is extremely important. I mean, so... So, yeah, so we get... So now that you're at Penn State, what was your welcome to college football moment? Man. I'll say my real welcome to college football moment, man. I remember the very first lift, you know what I'm saying? JT, the weight room, man, and... I wasn't like everybody works out in high school. You work out, you know what I mean. I remember me, we'd be in the weight room listening. That's back when uh, money on my mind, you know. That's right. yeah, that Carter too. Working was out to that joint. <laughs> okay, okay, that okay. was so, it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I get up to Penn State, man. There's no music in the the locker room, weight room at all. It's it's very much silent night, holy night in there, and the only the soundtrack is just pain. You know what I mean? Like I wor- I didn't eat. Before I worked out in high school, I didn't really have to eat after whatever. Man, I almost crawled out of there. And I remember getting to my locker and just sitting there like, this is nuts. This is a lot. And then you just have to do this every day. You know, people do not give young athletes enough credit on the mental toughness to, because guess what? At age 18, what are you, you're learning about yourself. You're learning about who you are and the things that you are prideful about and how you have to carry yourself. You're not done with that for a long time, maybe your whole life, but you're definitely doing it at that point. Mind you, you have people dealing with serious injuries. I mean, imagine not being able to walk for four months, five months. People don't have, you know, mental health is a buzzword now and everybody loves it, but these aren't new problems and these are things that young people will have to navigate and guess what the higher the higher you go up as far as power five d1 fcs whatever you want to call it the greater the pressure and the more the expectations 
you have certain programs where if you're the quarterback there, you're expected to be great, and that's your only option. Right. And you'll have 40,000 grown men in their, you know, homes firing off tweets at you. I always say that nobody accounts for that. That's tough. When 50,000 people say they hate your guts from around the world, that's not always easy to, you know, shut out and, and, and turn off. So the game is packed with so many real life things that people don't always account for like that. And you're 150% correct. And that's why I'm just trying so hard for this people to understand what this recruiting process is. Cause there's a, like, I mean, me for me, I entered the recruiting process. I got my first offer when I was like 13. So from that standpoint, I was evaluating schools, trying to identify a grown man telling me the truth, having critical thinking skills. Like you said, trying to figure out what I want to do for the rest of my life as I'm trying to continue to get better on the field because I had a dream to go to the NFL and all those different things. But the things that you're, exposed to through the recruiting process and when you get to college i mean you're in uh recruiting from the legal standpoint like legal um i mean i don't want to say a legal headhunter but <laughs> a legal um oh, a legal recruiting consultant director of recruiting headhunter i don't think that's a bad term no i am it, all those things man i'm but it, I'm, when it comes find talent you find talent right in, in the legal space and so you probably you do a lot of prospects where it's like you see them you probably see them deal with heartache from not getting a job or just not being ready to take criticism or making something better. And I see it sometimes when I deal with the recruiting from the executive side, the executive staffing and things of that nature. But I used to always kind of compare like, man, these 16, 17 year olds are getting their heart broken like all the time, whether it get offered a scholarship and it gets pulled back, um, telling you not Nobody good enough. Nobody talks about that. Yeah, we don't talk like all those different things, man. I remember going to, you know, Florida, yeah, Florida and talking to the AD He's like, oh, man, this coach is going to be here. I committed to Florida early. Before I, before I went to Penn State, I committed to Florida, right? So, like, mm. I, I committed to Florida. That was Zook and Loxley. So, Loxley had me mm, locked okay. up down there, man. It was did a masterful sure. job recruiting. But sat down with the athletic director. That was one thing you know, my dad used to understand was, like, all right, we got to see what the vision of this university was. So, I, I met with a lot of administrators and presidents while I was going through the, pro through the process. And that was always interesting to me because it was like you get comfortable talking to these guys and you really see like, oh, they lie. Like straight to your face. Like they'll lie even in a suit. And it was like, you know, he told me the guy was going to be here for the next three years. And literally, I left my visit that Saturday on Tuesday. Ron Zook had gotten fired. Gone. And, I, and it like, it shocked me. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, you lied like that? Like who? And then I had to go back and like, all right, who's told the, the truth throughout the whole process? That's kind of what I try to tell guys now is you really want to get like an authentic feel of who's recruiting you and what's it going to be like when you get there because it's all fine and dandy when you're going through the recruiting process but like you said you get to college man like life is there like right like shit happens man, that's so, and, like, that's, that's so real that you talked about um having your dad there recruiting you because look imagine how many young men who for whatever reason may not have, be able to have a parent there to act as a, they knew, listen, first of all, if you know Coach Smith, when he come in the room, you need, you, you need to tell him the honest truth and make it as honest as possible, maybe even more honest than it is. Just don't even think about deviating from that. He's going to respect you, but he's not here for a lot of games. And that is what a lot of particularly young black athletes need. Because like you said, you start offering, you got to offer 13, 14, 15. You're coming into this huge office with this millionaire coach who, by the way, has been recruiting your area for 11 straight years. He already has laps around you in the cognitive battlefield that is supposed to be recruiting. 
and that's what I did a lot with Marathon Mentors. The, the, the what I started, mm-hmm. I said, man, people need objective counsel, and all that is is somebody who will tell them, who will evaluate a situation, removing any bias or motive from it. In other words, this is the contract. These are the features of the contract. Here are things to think about. I don't work for side A or side B. These are things for you to think about. That neutral arbiter is what the recruiting process needs, but then it's going to make it more difficult for the P5 to simply get the recruits. So it's all part of it, man. I don't know how deep we can go on here. Man, we're going to keep going deep because I think that's a great plug for Blue Chip Academy, and that's why we're here to give you know recruiting insights (laughs) and objective codes to be completely honest to go through this process without someone pulling like i don't want i don't care what school you go to i want the best place for you because everyone's path is different like i've seen it plenty of times you get you know 25 signees and i could tell you like 11 won't make it day one like just based on the environment not being fit like hell like sometimes the coaches don't feel that great about you right and it's like you're what's left and that's just the honest the god truth well, they of the game your, you to get your friend and your friend went to another school and they didn't have the heart to pull your scholarship. I've seen that. The game is dirty. I've, I mean, to see teenagers crying when they call, you don't pick up. I mean, there's, 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 there's some dirt. I mean, there's some bad things in the game that I can't, I'm not going to call them bad, right? I think they're strengthening tools. That's why I'm trying to get everyone to understand that these different opportunities, you come out of this process, if you know what you're going through or know what you're, you're about to get into, you can maximize these different things and like flip them to be like a super type of right. professional when you get out of it. Because just from the fortitude of going through the process, like trying to be the best player you want to be, dealing with, I mean, adult-like things, like trying to navigate with coaches and administrators and things of that nature, you see it all the time when guys use this uh, sports as a catalyst to a career that they can bank on based on those, you know, I won't call them soft skills, but outside of They're tactical. totally soft skills, man. <laughs> I think that... People look at soft skills, maybe because I'm not a super, you know, I have degrees, but I'm not, I don't consider myself a technical or a hard skill type of person in that way. Okay. And it's about, I like meeting people. I like talking to people. That's what it's about. You're not, nine times out of 10, being, for example, when I recruit for, and, I, and these are the top 10 to 20 to 30 law firms in the country. So these are as big as it gets. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, major partners will say, look, what I care about for him or her is that we can stand them for nine hours a day. Huh. Okay? I like your degree. I like your skills. All right? But guess what? We're the top not we're, no, we're number nine in America, number 11, 12 in the world as far as revenue and size. Right? Number of caseload, that metric. So it's not like, oh, I'm your, your, you're your grandma's number one grandbaby. It's like, no, we make the most money. That's yeah. how we're judged. Yeah. And what they tell you is, everybody who applies is good. We don't get bad applicants. Mm -hmm. We don't get people who, oh man, I like this person, but not enough experience. Nope, everybody has enough experience. Everybody has went to the best law schools. Everybody is a great litigator, okay? It's one thing to recruit when you have nothing but A's and you have to find the A plus. So what gives the A plus? Those soft skills, those intangibles. Hey, look, you might not know everything, but we can get you in a room and the people in the firm will not dislike you. That's what he said. It's the number one thing he thinks about. So keep that in mind. It's about that fit. I I just had a post recently. It was like, man, scholarship offers do not matter how many they 
how they come in or any of that. But the fit, like that matters because like even when dealing with companies like Glassdoor, they have a help place their chief people officer a few months back. But the CEO had this Congrats thing where, on that, man. That's major. Yeah, appreciate it. But their CEO had, um, Christian had this idea of radical transparency, right? <clears throat> like just in terms of, I mean, if you're going to be called Glassdoor and telling everybody else's dirt, like we can't have secrets here. So mm-hmm. but when you start interviewing different, you know, got people, what professionals in the HR space, I mean, th- it was all about fit. Like you said, everyone had degrees, Harvard, here, da, da, da. But it was really about the actual fit. And we see that with schools all the time where you can be a great player, but maybe Penn State's not for you. Man, you can be a great player, but I don't know if you should go down south if you're from Maine and you want to go to, I don't know, Miami. Maybe, I, I, depending on where it is, right? Or, about or J. King, they got three running backs already. Regardless of how great you are, you could be nice. You could be ready to play. But if you go down to Bama and say, oh, yeah, I play corner, they're going to say, oh, that's great. Exactly. Not saying you can't play, but we got a lot of those. That's real. So, like, when we even get into it, man, I'm talking about talent acquisition. And the fact that you're in the legal space doing recruiting and talent acquisition is pretty cool. What are the main, I guess, traits of lawyers that you're looking for? from the just baseline standpoint outside of just the degrees when you're looking at the soft skills personality and things of that nature that's hard man the, the main thing i look for first of all i i can't i'm mr soft skills right i can't afford to make sure that your academic credentials are not there you still need those you understand as much as i talk about the intangibles please make sure that you have your academic credentials there in in full disclosure I'm recruiting for jobs that I would not be qualified for off resume. You understand me? It's a weird position when you're, and by God's grace, I had my first placement. You know, I can't say where, can't say who, but. Congrats. Thanks, man. Um, Top five law firm in the country. um, And she's constantly telling me, Chima, I'm worried. Um, I I don't know if if they like me. And I'm like, well, look, (laughs) they are at a stage where they don't have to pretend to like anybody. Do you understand? You know, when 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 your growth starts to get to the upper hundred M's and to the into the B's, you don't necessarily have to pretend and be nice. It's like I told her, I said, look, don't take us the wrong way. Right. But if they wanted you out of their office, you know how in the movies they press a button, the trap door open up. (laughs) That's what would happen. You'd be gone. You wouldn't be saying they wouldn't be inviting you back to reject you. You would have been sent you a little gift box because they're classy. Right. Yeah put you on your way, you know, go with God. That would have happened. So it's, it's, my point is great opportunities like that. Some, she didn't even recognize that she was three days away from getting a life changing offer. Yeah. She's so nervous. She, she calls me on like, Hey, look, we can't, we can't blow this now. Just, just calm down. What are they saying? Well, they want to talk to me again because uh, one of the partners wasn't there. And I'm like, okay, well, look, either, everybody else likes you and they and they just need that approval from that one it's like you know aj king i'm gonna wait till you get back you, you gotta see this right yeah or and it's a possibility because it's not a kumbaya it's not all roses right they're going to evaluate you again and let you know that they don't want to move on either way you have gotten this second interview with one of the biggest firms in the world understand your own value I think we get so caught up in results and life is a results based thing, right? I'm not saying they don't matter, but look at where you are, you know, to that person who has a couple of, you know, we used to say D2 or FCS offers, mm-hmm. 90 
98% of athletes don't even get those. Okay? Just understand the rarity of that. Look at that bench. You want to talk about college basketball? Let's flip there for a second. Look at that bench at Kentucky and Duke. It's only eight, eight, eight guys on there or eight, or eight women on there. It's not a big team. 10, 11, 13 if you count, you know, the, the fifth-year uh, guy who just keeps the warm-up suit on at, all, all the time. You know what I mean? Like, I've been in that position where you're yeah. not getting that burn. I've been there. Yeah. My point is, it is elite. It's like every level the percentage gets driven down and the percentage was already almost nothing to begin with. It's a fact. I, that's, that's just a pure fact. So when you're going through your process, when did you make the decision, like, all right, I'm going to go to law school and I'm going to do this? I'm a... Right, so com coming out of Penn State 2012, um, uh, was invited to off-season camp with the Seattle Seahawks, so it was cool to be out there. Uh, that was the same year that Russell went to Wisconsin and he jumped over, so I was like, okay, bet, we... Uh, we're Seahawks. He was a Seahawk for much longer than I was, but uh, <laughs> at a time, Dion was out there. You know, okay. shout out to D. Butts, Dion Butler, v VA legend, Dale City. Um, yeah, Dion was out there. Cam Chancellor was out there uh, from from around the way. So it was but no cool. VA boys. Here we go. I, yeah, I, I ain't man. mad at I'm, it. I ain't listen, mad at it. You got, I hey, listen, time. wherever you're from, represent that. Because if you meet somebody, think about it, J. King. Think about everybody you know from New York City. Yep. Being from New York City is their major personality trait. That's true. That's Think about somebody true. you know from Texas. Say, listen, and I'm, say one bad say one bad word about the state of New Jersey. You think it's funny till somebody from somebody from Newark like, "Hey, yo, not having it, buddy." If I listen, if I'm lying, I'm flying. These are real examples. So, it, football, sports, very regional, man. It's a very regional so pride. Extremely regional, man. And that's so important when you talk about recruiting because it's like that fit matters. Like you can have a whole, you can have a a monster of teams where it's not a great fit and get your butt kicked up and down the field. But like everything yep. when a team, whether you're building a team in football, building a, a law firm or those different things, I, I like playing that Hans Zimmer role where it's just like making those, finding the right pieces to go into this puzzle, right? Cause they're not all built to go there. Like to, to be completely honest. So many times you see the team that's better coached, better organized, beat the more talented team. I, and shout to Hans Zimmer too. That's a good, that's a good name drop, man. Quinn Barra, my roommate, he's the first person to ever tell me about Hans Zimmer, right? He was? Now, you remember Quinn. Mm -hmm. Quinn was all about his music. I love music. Quinn was people, E, Elijah Robinson, um, Turk, everybody would pull up, Jared Odrick, Jack Crawford, everybody pull up, and Quinn would give you the latest music on, on your iPad. That's, this is Penn State football. This is what we call, this is tradition. This is texture. So I, was, I, so, was that, I was that guy in 04. When I got there, okay, it was the, you know, okay. the iPad come through, I'll load come you through. up. And, yeah, mm -hmm. but... Yeah, he started charging like five bucks, ten bucks for for the service because it it's uh, time he to start charging. You know what I'm yeah, but uh, <laughs> golly, man, finding finding your right fit, man, and understanding. He goes, yeah, man, I love this Hans Zimmer. I'm like, one day I come home and he's listening to like Hans Zimmer, uh, uh, Batman Begins, and I come up the steps in Nittany Apartments. Zoom, I'm hearing all sorts of, and I used to play bassoon. You know what I mean? So I'm, I like music too. Right. I'm playing all sorts of chords and horns and drums and suspenseful chords. And I'm like, bro, this is like, this is, we was just listening to uh, No Hands. This is not what I, you know what I mean? And uh, he goes, that's that Hans Zimmer, man. And it's funny. I didn't know who Hans Zimmer was before then. But ever since then, when anybody brings him up, I respect his ability to craft things together. Exactly. From that standpoint of like just talent acquisition and recruiting, that, that's what I, I mean, that's kind of what I value, whether it's. That's why I like being in the ancillary space because it's hard to do that when you're working for a 
when you're with a team or if you're representing a player because now my job is to do this and I'll find myself like in the best space when it's like, okay, this is where this fits here, you fit here and being objective so you can stand on like your own findings of whatever that may be. So I always, use, I always use the Hans Zimmer reference because it's just like, I'm just not finding people. I'm not an agent. I don't do this, but like you know, we make the whole thing kind of work together and that's Talent a different skill. There you go. Talent coordination. So we talk about you being a, a, a professor at Boston College, right? Teaching a last year's class on NIL and the, the findings of it in, in the new space. And everybody that's listening, obviously, is familiar with NIL. So let me get, let's jump into it a little bit with a professional in the, in the space from the academia side. Um, what's the main thing that you would think and like, what would take NIL to the next level and where it's at right now in college sports? Sure. Um, to be honest, I, I think name image like it. It's just it's just basic fairness. You know, people call it NIL because you need an acronym to call it. But if you produce a skill or a good or your labor was valued at something, when you want to be compensated, that's the most basic element of America. If you work hard and you produce something that the market deems valuable, you should be able to be compensated. But for some reason, and we know that it's a lot of reasons, but a right. big part of it, it was young black men and women. At these, at these largely uh, historically white universities, the thought of handing them money, even if they were obviously valuable, was not one that uh, was popular for a very long time. So I think to pick it back to the recruiting, NIL is now part of the recruiting arsenal. All the coaches wanted it, but they knew that the NCAA and the powers that be had declared it, um, you know, contraband. You know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a part of your recruiting. So a couple of things. Keep your name, image, likeness clean. (laughs) Understand that if a school is looking to market you on their social media or local businesses, because that's the majority of name, image, likeness deals. They are local car dealerships, donut shops, pizza. That's it. If you're smart, you get local money. But be someone that people want to market. Be someone that people want to put their face on uh, T-shirts. The smart people are going to win. The innovators are going to win. Now... That person who is in D3, um, you know, we used to hear about, what's that school? Mount Union? We used Mount to hear about Union. them every year winning, uh-huh. you know what I'm saying? Right. Mm-hmm. If you know, you know. But you don't have to be a Heisman Trophy or a winner to get your name, image, likeness compensated. Right? Right. This is going to be for the athletes who have their own comedy channel and are funny and doing stand-up. This is going to be for the athletes who think about things like cameo. Like, I'll say hi to your little brother for a happy birthday for $20. The smart people are going to win now. Or if you play guitar and you've never you've never started a game, but you have a beautiful talent, you're going to be able to exploit that. And for so long, the NCAA, uh, people that are titles like president for intercollegiate athletics and vice provost and athletic director, these people were, you know, making large amounts of money and saying, you know what, if one little lonely dollar trickles down, that'll be it for me and I can't handle it. And that's where we are right now. So understand that NIL is integrally woven into recruiting. You cannot, the toothpaste does not go back in the tube. You cannot separate them. Give them something to, give them something to recruit. You are 100% correct. And then when you talk about NIL, it, like it's, when people present it like this brand new groundbreaking thing, it does kind of irks me out a little bit because I'm like, yo, that's like, it's like antitrust laws and things of that nature. Because like, I've trained with players with the Manchester United team when I used to work out in Dallas and their junior team would come over and train with us. Um, mm. 
and you get around these like you know, 12 to 16 year old boys and you start talking to them about like how they approach their sport and like the deals that they sign and you know like the like they're signing the right they're signing their rights over at 13 years old and getting prepared to do whatever they need to do in soccer right wow, like that's, a, soccer. that's amazing i never know you did that but weren't they like young little they were like little men though how they carry themselves this is exactly what i'm saying yeah. that's when i started realizing like oh this whole sport thing is like this is i don't know if it's just football basketball i mean some of the revenue generating sports but we know the common denominator around revenue generating sports but the other sure. ones like there's like a business implementation early right and i started dealing with parents from other other sports that weren't in football and i kept hearing this this saying is trainers over tutors Right, like trainers over tutors, trainers over tutors, and I was like, like the people that I'm saying that are that would say this, you would not think that these are the the parents that are preaching trainers over tutors, and like these are their kids are going to Yale, Stanford, with a very intentional thing, right? Like a very intentional plan. I mean, I had Sam Schwartzstein, um, he's the analytics uh, announcer for Amazon Prime now, but he created right, the right, XFL right, right, right. rules. He talked about how his brother dropped out of high school. Dropped out of college for a semester to help him get recruited because he wanted him to get to Stanford. Like That's that great. was like that was the goal. Like use this wow. and we're going to Stanford. And here at other places where it's like, all right, did he get there? Oh, hundred percent. He went to Stanford. They, him and Andrew Luck and all those guys you know, wow. had a good good Rose Bowl team and all that good stuff. But I, the point I'm trying to make is, um, it's just so vast in the in the, the football ecosystem when it comes down to. Like being intentional, right? Because there's just so many different pitfalls and being able to use the sports ecosystem to a career that you can bank on is not that easy. If you're just kind of willy nilly going, yeah. you know, here, here without a plan. So like, so yeah, I'm, I'm rambling a little bit, but no, that's a, a very interesting thing when it comes Be to targeted. Be targeted and make yourself valuable. Yeah. I, people ask me tips and it's like, you know, I always say add value and be flexible. Those are two things that I try and do. And and by the way, all of my experiences come from me falling on my face many times. Right. <laughs> all my all the stories and all I'm telling you come from me, my my personal missteps and not being able to get it and having things that I look back on and you know, hey, I would have done it like this or like that. But all of my victories and my triumphs come from those same personal experiences too. So that's, that's a great point. That's how it goes. So we see in like the different legislation coming up where they're starting to transition NIL deals down to the high schools, right? So. You're a, you're obviously a lawyer. Do the lawyer, uh, um, the head hunting, but and you're an adjunct professor as in NIL. So with that being said, you review contracts as well for players going through the process. And right, what are some pitfalls that high school kids or even college players should be looking for when they're getting different NIL deals? Mm. Justin, about to make me give y'all some free consultation right now. All right, fair <laughs> enough. I respect that. I like I, I, I like that. So look, first of all, do not sign anything. Never sign anything until you have taken it to a barred attorney, at very at very least someone that you trust, right? Because everybody can't always access a barred attorney. But I say this, if you are at a school, go to compliance. If someone offers you a deal, a contract, even if someone talks to you about anything, start with compliance. Do not jeopardize your eligibility in the eyes of the NCAA or of the law. This is a changing subject and the law is subject to change as well. Um, I would watch out for exclusive agreements, right? Words like exclusive means that, for example, I just navigated a deal um, for an athlete uh, and the company wanted his exclusive rights 
and that's TV, radio, NFT, cartoon, audio, podcast, anything you do. You know, 360, you huh? You know, 360 do. Yeah, right. Yeah. But it was only a, a two-year deal. So he's like, man, you know, it's only for two years. That has to factor in, right? So look at the clauses of your contract. Look at the terms of your contract. Look at the conditions of your contract. And these are all things that are going to, because a simple period or a comma in a contract can be the difference between thousands of thousands of dollars. So I would do that and also understand that once you cross a very low threshold, uh, you incur tax liability. Excuse me. Have a professional person with you walking through these steps. And these services don't have to cost money. So if it's money you're worried about, get on the internet and dig for free resources, legal aid. Almost every university will have one. You got to work smarter, not harder all the time. That's 100% correct, man. Working smarter, not harder. But you got to still work hard, too. With that being, but you got to still work hard. You still got to work hard. But with that being said, like coming down to the high school levels, what do you see? Like, what do you think that looks like? I mean, we see some guys get like a, like a, Bron, a LeBron, Bronny Jr. getting signed to Nike and different things of that nature. For the high school athlete that's going through the process, should they be looking for deals? Should they be trying to start their own brand? Like, what would you? What would you I would say do some uh, do some inventory on, on yourself. Some people like, look, I don't really care about starting my own brand. Just hand me this. I'll pose with it and I get a check. But more and more, if you are the type of person like me who likes ownership, you know, um, Nipsey Hussle taught me that ownership is very important and being able to, you know, have your masters. Right. So these things are accessible to 14, 15, 16 year old young people. And they were not always this way. Your ability to go out at 15 and generate your own LLC, you can do it now. You know, you can do those type of things now. So I would just say be aware of the full scope of your new abilities. Be aware of the full scope of your new abilities before before you set limits on what you can do, where you can do it or how you can do it preach man because like when you talk about the recruiting process from the business standpoint then the nil makes it completely real because you got money you're dealing with contracts you're evaluating coaches you're evaluating different business deals like this is this is 17 18 19 year old kids doing this right like we i understand how hard it was when i got to the nfl to kind of still navigate and do all these different things and man you see how the college game is set up whether it's the photo shoots and how you recruit and different things like that it just gets so convoluted and it kind of you know, it, it makes me feel the way where it's just like, yo, who's giving the right advice here? Have you seen, I always say through the recruiting process, I've seen more family members lose guys' scholarships than the actual player. Sometimes it's just like how I deal with it, right? Talent equals tolerance. Like, man, this dude, right. kid's not that good, right? It's just bad advice from the parent or they're trying to vicariously live through them. Have you seen or witnessed any, I guess, bad actors when it comes to like your support? support staff right uh, like a player is now going to have a, a, a team totally. earlier right so like what does that yeah, look like there's, if there's not professionals in high school and you have to lean on yeah family members a lot of times you're dealing with someone's uncle who is not an accountant not an attorney um none of the none of those see those are hard skills that are important you get what i'm saying yes if someone says hey i want to do your taxes they need to have the hard skills of being a cpa a licensed professional even though the D.C. bar just sent me, I owe them money. They just they said until I pay them money, I can't get my bar license renewed. If you, if you know any attorneys, you know how that goes. But 
there's a reasons why there's a reason why we belong to these licensing organizations. If you need open heart surgery, are you gonna walk in and be like, hey, who can do this and just trust the first person who puts their hand up? No, you're not. If you need your brakes changed on your vehicle, you're not gonna go door to door like, hey, does anybody know? No, you're gonna go to the experts because the liability is simply too, you can't and, and if and if after they fix it, like how do brakes they all right, they do okay. It's like what? No, no, they need to be one hundred percent up to code. So it's like that, right? Seek professionals in that capacity. And young, more people we're seeing younger and younger, as we talked about this recruiting process, everybody loves you. Everybody thinks you're the best. Everybody says this about you. So who can you trust? That's when you see athletes start to get more insular. I trust my uncle, my dad, and my coach. That's it. And sometimes it's one of those parties. And sometimes it's none of those parties. This athlete don't have anybody that's close to him. He's a little quiet. He just he or she just do the, does their own thing. So the game is going to splinter and evolve, and more and more you're going to – what needs to happen is people who are assigned by the NCAA, I believe they'll be gone in a couple of years, but whatever body takes over from I agree. those very, very well-paid, uh, hard-working individuals that work so hard to uh, uh, pay themselves millions of dollars every year. It must be tough counting all that money. It's exhausting. But um, once, the, one, one, once they get out of here, you need to put people in place that are objective – Consultants for mental health, objective consultants for finances, objective consultants for career placement and postgraduate guidance. Objective. I'm only one man, so I can't do it all, but that's what we need, man. That's what objective. we need. Objective. Again, Chima with the plug for LIG Sports Group, because we're here to help you master the critical points throughout the Come whole sports ecosystem, where it's about you, the client, or whatever you're going through in this process, because it's hard when you're working for a, a, a team or a, a school because, I mean, that's that's what your responsibilities lie to, right? Because I, I would, when I worked at Penn State, you know, I obviously wanted people to go there and all that, but I recruited from an individual standpoint. And I think the authenticity that came through that was why I was very successful in recruiting. It just so happened that how I recruited and what I was lining up was Penn State because those are the things that I value. But it was always about telling the truth and like we're can you maximize what you want to do in this thing? Because it's a great opportunity. And like you said, like you're getting a head start, especially when you're talking about the recruiting process and the soft skills that you get dealing with coaches and things of that nature. NIL, business dealings come in there, uh, relationships opening up, going to different power ecosystems, whether it's at a different uh, you know, major university and having access to different things of that nature. We saying all that for players that want to transition into, let's say, I don't know, being a lawyer, we're just talking about a little transition here, but like for players that are going through the process and we're talking about NIL, we're talking about going to school and let's take it a next step further. How can they leverage NIL college and going into a career that they want, right? Like for example, you being a lawyer, what would you say for the high school kid that maybe wants to become a lawyer, like some tactical steps to kind of accelerate that plan Man, while you, all you these can... different pieces are in the right. ecosystem? You can go about it many different ways, you know, like you're not going to be able to practice law until you pass the bar and, and do all those type of things. But simply documenting your, your journey, you know what I mean? Let's say you want to write a memoir about your time, your transition from second baseman to attorney. And by, your, by the end of your junior year, it's done. Your senior year, it's done. And you sell that, right? There's there's. There's no way for me to tell you what to do, but that's a good idea. That is a great idea. You know what I'm saying? And, free, you got a lot of free man, game free there. Game. That's good. Free game right there. And I'm like, those are the athletes that are going to win because they're innovative. Mm. 
when you know a certain shoe would drop, everybody had go crazy, sleep out at Foot Locker, and you know get the pair. But I never liked that because not everybody has the same Wolf Grays on. Everybody got the same Taxi Twelves on. You know what I'm saying? Like I like to be unique and I like to stand out in that way. You know, so I would just say, man, the the student athletes who figure out their unique. And also, this is going to provide them that introspection into who they are earlier. Absolutely. Why don't you figure out what you're into? You're talking about athletes transitioning. Sit down and take time with yourself. Everybody's not meant to be a lawyer. Everybody's not. It's hard work. It's, it's three years of law school. Then it's the bar. It's hard work. And by the way, during that time, you're not making money. You know what I mean? It's not something that is, and most lawyers don't make a ton of money. A lot of lawyers are under six figures. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know that. Um, I don't want to say most, but not all lawyers make a lot of money. Let me, I don't want, I don't want to go too Some hard. Some of my friends, I'm like, what? It's like, nah, I got you. Listen, there, I can, I can tell you that it gets much, much higher. Like I said, jobs that I wouldn't be qualified for, but it, it gets north. And I'm talking, you know, north of, north of north. But anyways, it's really about how you can provide that thing that you care about with the market. When I had to do my own inventory, I care about fashion. I care about family, I care about sports, I care about um, culture, you know what I mean? Um, I care about the law. How can I blend those things up? Yeah. Not everything that you care about needs to be monetized or can be monetized, but you're going to be better off in life, generally, especially when you're transitioning away from sports, when your next step is organically rooted in what you want to do as much as possible. Organically rooted in what you want to do. And to organically find that or and authentically find that is, like you said, some level of self-introspection going through this process. And it's, there's very great opportunities to have that discovery, right? When you're getting denied or you've got to go through tough hardships, every transition, coming from high school, you're the man, to college or not, finding your way back in there, time management, focus management, dealing with a strength coach. Like, there's just so many different things. Whatever it that, might be. Whatever it is. And it's... I mean, it's extremely important. So, like, with that being said, I mean, for you, like, in general, like, what would have been your NIL strategy when you were not in college? Well, well, I definitely was throwing events. Um, myself, uh, some of my friends, we definitely threw parties and events, which allegedly we were compensated for. You know what I mean? I would never, I would never do something like that. But, you know, depending on who you ask, um, definitely throwing events, getting people together. Uh, I feel like that's my skill. That's what I enjoy. Um, Events is good. Like an event, also, like that's that's pretty cool. Like yeah, that's that's awesome because you get. Hey, look, you know, and I'm giving away a lot of free games here. But you know, <laughs> Jay King is my dog, so I remember when you came back from the Rams, man. And people wasn't giving me love. Jay King was like, "Man, how you doing?" Came back, talked to me, man. I and and I'm not again. This is all 100 percent real, man. So I appreciate this guy. But my point is, imagine if you on the O line and after the game. You do breakfast with the O-line, and people pay $150 a ticket. Do you not think at Penn State, you, and then you go to Waffle Shop, and you make it an event. They make money hand over fist, but they're going to make more. Those are the things you need to do if you desire to make money in name, image, likeness. You're not going to sign with Gatorade. I couldn't have signed with Gatorade. You could probably, this guy could have, but most athletes, them big deals are not your purview, even at Big Ten schools. That's true. Don't think that Nike's knocking on your door unless you have an extremely marketable plus 
You see, you see what Nike, the, the, their roster that they signed to NIL, right? It's like Bronny James is Bron's son, and then there's some uh, soccer players. But to your point, they have brand brand identity outside of their sport. Like Nike, come talk to me. Come get a professional <laughs> on staff, Nike. Honestly, I, and I gotta give a shout out to the two quarterbacks at Penn State, man. I think they were doing some pretty innovative things. We talk about Cliff starting his own uh, right. limitless the firm, the NIL firm, and then the, the quarterback that just came in, Drew Aller. I think I said mm-hmm. his name right. But with the kids' book, kind of to the point that you said, like a level of like this is my journey to get to college. Like you can do this. Brilliant. Brilliant. A kids' book, man. I was like, I saw that. I was like, it's brilliant. Damn, that's, a, that's 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 tight. That's a great idea. Yeah, you yeah, can sell a hundred thousand of those to Penn Staters alone. I mean, remember, man, Crenshaw the album. Nipsey said, "I'm getting off my label, Epic Records." He used to be on that. This is history now. He said, I'm selling it for $100 for a physical copy. 2013. I remember, I remember that. The place I'm at right now, Virginia Beach Central Library, this is where I study for my LSAT. And I listen to Crenshaw every single day. He said, look, the tape is free online. People tried to kill him. You can go get the tape. But if you want a physical copy, it's $100. Jay-Z says, I want 1,000 copies. Here's the, I sent you the money yesterday. You already have it. Less is more. is plenty of us. Shh. Shout out to Jigga because he made that purchase. Mailbox money, man. That's how I knew. You got, y'all are going to get some history today. Mailbox money, man. Track. That's how I, love I knew. That story. Listen to that. I love that story because I, I always point that out, too. I mean, because it's like believing in yourself and what your vision is, right? I think the guy, uh, musician, L.A., uh, was it, how you say it? La Russell? Is it La Russell or L.A. Russell? Does like the, L.A. Russell, I believe, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, I, I love his business model, right, where he's going – and doing the concerts in his backyard, kind of owning the whole situation, divvying up things from on the blockchain, having organic. Like everybody have organic and everybody having a piece of the pie. Like he kind of splits out the profits with his listeners and things. It, listeners like, oh, NFT goes up in, uh, mm-hmm. in value based on my music and everybody's got like a little piece of it. But that crowdfunding aspect and just the uniqueness of it, right? Like I just, I like when people approach these different business opportunities. The innovators are going to win, Jake King. If y'all don't remember anything from this, the innovators are going to win. The innovators are not going to be celebrated at the time. The innovators are often castigated at the time. That's going to be the name the of the episode. The innovators are going to win. I'm, that's the name of the episode. Innovators are going to win. Because like, you're 100% right. Everything in, in this time frame and that's happening in college sports is about being on the front edge of the innovation, right? Like around the corner when things are coming because by the time the tidal wave comes, if you're not out there, I mean, you missed it. <laughs> Bro, what was the NFT three years ago? It was a thing that was so esoteric, which is understood by a few. You know, and mm-hmm. that's the vocab word of the day. It was I so esoteric you. and hard to understand. Now you got a picture of uh, a board eight with a with a fitted cap on. Oh, that'll be three hundred thousand dollars, please. That's an innovator. He didn't. He didn't go to law school. Didn't have to get in a bunch of degrees. He didn't pass an exam. He didn't become a surgeon. He looked at this in the market, and he solved a pain point. Athletes, solve a pain point, solve a problem. Go to that problem, identify a solution, and work in that way, and you will make it. And some of the prerequisites of being an innovator is that you're going to have to go through, you're, it's like a trailblazer when you're going on hikes and different things of that nature, when you're walking through. I don't know if you've gone through a path that's been trailed before, but it's a lot easier than when you're walking and you have to knock, you know, machete the, the woods down and like kind of get through. And athletes are built for that, like built to be an innovator. You know, like you said, going through the process, you can have 50,000 people have a negative thing about you, just negative things to say about your performance and something that you really care about. Like though you're building up certain muscles that you're just really 
set yourself up for success if you know how to implement those and are aware that you're getting them because a lot of times people don't get you, give you that credit so like a level of being an innovator is believing in what you got to do and what you can accomplish right or what you can bring your vision to life and with that you know athletes i do believe the ones that pick up on that as they're going through the process have a lot of confidence to try to do new things but you know i, I you just i just hate when people are always hey make sure you focus on this don't do that like, like i could do it all i like, never fit into a box man I, I, one thing about me personally i had varied interests i had so many friends who were not on the team you know what I'm saying? I always remember like, that. That's imp- that's important, man. For you know, I, just to like stop you right there, like that is very important. Like when you go to college, like just don't fall into the to the trap of just only dealing with athletes or just even dealing with everyone on your team or your position group or whatever that is. But getting out and seeing how other people are operating because it's about like that exposure in that college space, man. It's just so critical from seeing it from working in college, from being there, how it affected me, how my professional career, like. The whole, the whole nine, and it's you see so many people gotta, miss it too, right? One hundred percent. I got one more to wrap that up. Exposure breeds discernment. The more things you're exposed to, the more times you get that fake recruiting love. The more times somebody looks, to, you know, this grown up looks at you in your face and tells you, "Oh, I love you so much." Your discernment is the ability to tell what is what. <sighs> tell a good idea from a bad idea. The lie from the truth. That means you got a good eye. So by the time you go around that, it's like you're, you know, um, a Nipsey quote, every day I wake up, I refine myself. When you refine mm-hmm. something, it's a finished product, but you go over it again and again and again and again and again to get it to its highest level. And you're going to become, your mind's going to become sharper and people understand they can't play with you and they can't take you for a ride. And you're going to feel more secure in the recruiting process. And guess what? Coaches, they're going to see that level of maturity and leadership, and that's extremely attractive. So everybody eats when you do that. 150%. That's why we say you sports as a catalyst because like those are different things that you're just naturally getting. But society will tell you that you don't, you're not getting those things. So you have to believe and actually operate it because it's like, oh, you're an athlete. You didn't, you know, I don't know if you can do that. Like you went to law school, so there's like actual things where it's like, okay, he went through the three years to do this. And I'm proud of that because a lot of people don't understand how difficult it is to be an athlete. Just, oh, yeah, you're just – I said, you beat out 99% of the football players in the country if you play big-time football. But I wanted to get something that was objectively verified as well. You know what I mean? I had to go, I had to go and get that next level because I did that. Nobody did that for me. I did that. Absolutely. You know? I mean, um, I, so I think every that, athlete that does that when they try to step outside the game. I know for me, I mean, I was always working in sports and I – took a job outside and for a company called ATI physical therapy as a sales uh, manager, just to get like different didactic skills to be able to like pitch something. Everybody, everybody should try something. sales, man. Sales skills is too important. It's in like every, in every line of work, everything. And I'm like, man, this was like, I remember doing it. And it was, it was hard for me. Right. Cause I was, like you said, I was a high recruit. So it's always about that discernment. I feel like I can read people like very well. Right. Like I feel like my EQ is kind of through the charts. Like that's kind of my special gift, but I never really was an outgoing person or had to sell something or have to sell a vision on or just to everybody get. was always like Justin people. Like, let me tell you, people just like Jay King. He didn't seek friends. I didn't. I had, I had to forge with, the, with stone and brick like Jay King was just naturally liked and respected. Bruh. And and I'm, I wish I was just capping and lying about this, but he never he never sought it out. But everybody somehow you nor Jordan Norwood, there's people that were just liked by all. Am I lying? Everybody I likes 
I hope what? I hope you're not, man. I appreciate that, dog. <laughs> but look, my thing is, and, I, and I'm and I'm not just trying to gas him up. Everybody doesn't have that quality. Some people have to get out there. Don't think that even if you are a certain level of athlete, or even if you do have a certain level of offers, don't think that things are going to continue to roll down the hill to you. You got to get after it and go get it. Because the beautiful part about it is somebody will. Somebody's going to start at that position. We're not going to not play linebackers this year. Somebody's going to start. Right. Is it going to be you? Because it might be, and guess what? The higher level you go up, the competition intensifies a hundredfold. So you're going to have to compete for what you want. That's a hunt, man. And again, we talk about the things that you kind of go through and build up those muscles. Like you're competing all the time. You're competing all the time. There's very few. And like you talk about getting better. Like I talk about it all t- with just the film aspect of being an athlete, like always watching yourself, critiquing yourself and not taking things personally and but taking it serious and continue to move forward. That is a critical skill that once I got in the workforce outside of it, I was like, oh, everyone doesn't understand that or everyone takes things super serious or personal if they're getting corrected. And I'm like, oh, that's a that's a competitive advantage. So I was always just geared when I got out to like, all right, where's the competitive advantage here? Because like as a player, you're always looking at the other person's weakness. Oh, what's this defensive line going to do? What's this offensive lineman going to do to me? What's the tendencies, you watch, watch just, the film. Yeah. Discernment. What are their Different tendencies? levels of discernment. Like the discernment's all yeah. the way through, man. Critical thinking skills, all that, man. That's and these are the things that you want to uncover as you're going through and like structure it so you can maximize this whole process and use sports as a catalyst. So Chima, man, what's the what's the career end goal for you, man? I don't even know. Do you know that? I never thought about my end goal, man. I just um I, I definitely want to be in Southern California. Um that's what I'm working towards. Um involved in sports media somehow. Um I, I think that uh you know, being in front of the camera, um, I was watching, uh, you know, Jack Crawford just retired after 10 years in the league, man. Shout out to that guy. Congrats, uh, that Jack. Be my final, Congrats. Congrats. Yeah, it might be my final name drop of the day. But uh, <laughs> he's over there with OC and NFL Europe. And if you, I mean, NFL UK, I'm sorry. And if you get a chance, man, you know, he's commentating, he's announcing, he's doing his thing on NFL UK, man. So I would love to do something like that, uh, you know, when in, in the near future. Still working with people, still um, – being an NIL advisor, I enjoy that because that's real direct give back. But um, I see myself still in California, sports media in front of the camera, uh, telling my story. You know, I think that um, I've been through a lot of different things and, you know, um, kind of like Anthony Bourdain, you know what I'm saying? How he lived his life. That's how I want to live my life. If you ask, go watch some No Reservations or Anthony Bourdain and that's how I want to live my life, man. Man, that's a great show, and that's another great plug, man. I really appreciate uh, you jumping on. She went to the Blue Chip Academy. Uh, You guys like and subscribe uh, to the the channel, to this video, and all that good stuff. And, again, make sure you guys visit LIG Sports Group to handle all your critical points throughout the sports ecosystem, man. Again, with objective information and just trying to make sure that you guys maximize this process, whether you're in high school, college, dealing with NIL, or even executives when you're looking for jobs and looking for those next next steps in their career. That's what we're here for in LIG, just the whole thing. Um, and make sure you guys download the checklist, recruiting checklist, so you know how to evaluate these different schools and ecosystems because a lot of times it's emotional when you go to a school, man. You're getting showered by attention. There's a lot of bills and whistles that can kind of right. get the charades but you have to have your criteria right so you know what 90% you're looking for. 90% of that is going to disappear. It's going to disappear. And I've seen on the other side on how you can weaponize it and use it to make <laughs> them 
all messed up. So that's what I'm here for. We're going to help with all that stuff moving forward. So, man, just, again, appreciate that, Chima, for jumping on. And you guys, no, thanks for it's, listening it's been, in. it's been an honor and it's been a pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me. I'll be back anytime. Um, so to everybody, like I said, add value and be flexible. Thank you so much for your time. Be blessed. No, appreciate most definitely. Care. And we will put uh, Chima's link at the bottom. So if there's any NIL questions or if anybody ever needs somebody to look through their NIL uh, information contracts that may come up, man. We got Chima on the line here, and again, he does charge, so it's not free stuff. Because, like, again, I tell people in sports, it's like everybody comes up and is think it's think it's for fun or it's an extracurricular activity. No, nah, no, nah, this is a it's a business. So, absolutely, man. Again, Chima, appreciate you, man. Good, we My can man. say class Salute dismissed. Nah, class is dismissed. The bell just rang, man. Appreciate <laughs> you, man. Take no care. No doubt. Appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Blue Chip Academy. To help navigate the recruiting waters, LIG Sports Group put together a Blue Chip Recruiting Checklist. Download your checklist at LIGsports.com Blue Chip Academy to ensure you're making informed decisions through this process. Hit subscribe and check out the LIG Sports Group Football Ops and Recruiting YouTube channel, where we'll talk about the recruiting and other critical points in the football ecosystem. If you're feeling stressed, confused, or just want help putting together a blue chip blueprint for you and your son, don't hesitate to book a console call with me at LIGsports.com backslash Blue Chip Academy. Remember, everyone has a different journey. Keep sharpening and remember that you can only go to one school. Just make sure that you have your blue chip blueprint together and execute it. Life is good.